you enjoy sitting at the pub or at the ground, listening to two blokes tell you who's going to win the footy and why? You know, the type of guys that puff at their chest and say, after their obscure multi comes up. Well, if you do, this is the podcast for you. We've reached the midway point of the season, and that means a mid-season getaway. If you're playing local footy, you've got to the week off for the long weekend, and that means you can't be bothered cooking, you can't be bothered cleaning, and you certainly can't be bothered having people around your place. So the answer to all of that is head on down to the Yorkshire Hotel and watch the footy in comfort without any of the hassles of having to host people around at your place. And you can do it on the Monday too, because you'll have the day off, especially if you live in Melbourne, there on the corner of Langridge Street and Punt Road in Abbotsford, the Yorkshire Hotel, premium beverages, great feeds, big fireplaces and plenty of screens to get all of your sporting needs, not just footy, cricket World Cups on, women's World Cups about to start. It's all happening, so get on down there and enjoy yourself. All right, speak of enjoying ourselves, some clubs are, and some clubs are starting to fret. And with fret comes coach sacking, but one coach who will not be sacked, fingers crossed, in the next 24 hours is uh, the big bustling Baz. How are we doing, mate? I'd have to do some something seriously wrong to get sucked at the moment, I think. Uh, yeah. Confidence is sky high. You uh, let off a little bit of a wobble the other day about uh, your, your achievements in the coaching realm, so you're obviously feeling quite uh, comfortable in the big seat there down at Old Bretonians. Oh, under 19. Yeah, the boys are good. Yeah. The boys are travelling well, so they're good bands as well. So, it's, yeah, it's all good fun, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. as you said, all good fun. You were a bit yeah. concerned to start the season. I feel like the results have paid off and you're uh, just settling in now. You yeah. know where you're at. You know how you can manage the boys. You're feeling okay. Well, it's hard because you get... Oh, I'm going off a bit off topic because we're not talking AFL and it's probably boring for the listeners, but it's hard when you get a group of 30 blokes, 40 blokes each year. You get new, and you got to like, understand how they operate, adapt, and yeah. Now, you say that's off topic, but uh, there's an AFL club that just has done that. Oh, yeah, they've, got, so they've gone from How many has Carlton gone through? They've gone through a few. 55 and three years. Oh, how many players? Is. Yeah, they've gone through a few. So it's a very similar kind of trait to get used to. Well, and apparently Bolton was, you know, very um, regimented, you know, everything had to be done, blah, blah, blah. And then they've, the, the free, up, free up the group, they've let David Teague take over, apparently it's complete opposite. And uh, I'm going to agree with a, a certain uh, key scenario forward or ex scenario forward from Brisbane Lions when he said if if the, is it, he was their forward line coach, if he couldn't get their forward line working and what he's been doing with their forward line, how the hell is he meant to coach a team? But who knows, maybe that free spirit, a bit like uh, Shorey, who's a bit different and a bit more of a free spirit, you know, can pay off for Carlton. But I doubt it. You used to call me on my cell phone when you need my love Call me on my cell phone night when you right, we'll get you on the blow up the obvious question and the obvious talking points of this week and that is that Brendan Bolton and the Carlton Football Club have departed ways despite the fact that Bolton openly quote just loves coaching yeah. turns out he didn't love winning they didn't <laughs> do it very often not his fault, probably, but the big question I have is a three-pronged question. Did Carlton make the right call in letting Bolton, letting Bolton go? What does Carlton need to do now? And the big one, how many years from, away from contending for a premiership are Carlton at this very moment? So let's start at the top. Yes or no, axing Bolton, good, bad, or indifferent? Well, obviously, he had to go because they thought he had to go. And I think the players stopped playing for him and stopped listening and 
you know, you'd see that in their last couple of performances, especially Cripps, you know, it's not his fault, he's probably tired and knackered, but he had no support. And look, it's not all down to Bolton, it's, there's a lot of other things that need to be rectified at that club, and, but Bolton, unfortunately, is a coach. And as we all know, the players and the administration, they get sacked first as the coaches. So mm. Well, it's a lot easier to sack one bloke than it is to sack 44. So. Yeah, and then have another bloke come in and have the same problems. Yeah, so good luck to Mr. Teague. Uh, so second question there, obviously, is now they've, now they've said, by sacking a coach, they've essentially said to the, everyone, their members, the media, their stakeholders, the, the power brokers in the background that we're going to embark on some change. What are those changes that need to be made? I reckon they need to do a full-scale review yep. of their football department and how they're running the club. Get it all right. Like... I've seen other clubs do it, you know, Richmond and Collingwood, and then obviously, you know, Hawthorne are very good at it, and the clubs have been successful over the previous years, have had everything in order, football department, uh, backroom staff, all that stuff, uh, you know, the your CEO, your president, the board, all that, all, all in good running order, everything's going well, so that, and that flows through, so I think they need to do that, they need to go after the best possible coach available, whoever that is, they need to probably uh, update their assistants and, you know, make sure they've got really strong a good assistant centre again all the good coaches at the moment all the coaches are going well the team's going well they've got a really good 2IC um, and I think they just need to add some more maturity to that list so they've you know for Bolton to have his least inexperienced side and younger side you know four years into this on the weekend you know shows that something isn't right mm. you know they've done a lot of trading a lot of drafting like stuff but you know you look at Brisbane they probably started at the same time and look where they are and Carter been doing this now since probably yeah, what, since Mick Monhouse arrived, probably a year after Mick Monhouse arrived, and rebuilds don't always work. We've seen with Melbourne, it's taken them nearly 20 years. Um, you know, Essendon haven't played finals for how long, and so it doesn't always work that way. Um, so yeah, culture is another thing. You know, we spoke about, you know, we obviously heard about um, Mitch Robertson the other day. He was talking about like what he got up to when he was at Carlton, and Eddie Betts referred to it when he played his 300th. Um, and yeah, you look at some of the players like Chris Yaron, Fev. Tyson Angle and a few other players around that time that all were there. Obviously, they've got culture issues, so they need to just sort everything out and get going. But I think if they do all that, then, you know, another two or three years, you know, they probably need to keep drafting and the players are mature. I think they definitely should be up there another two or three years. It can turn pretty quickly. Hmm. We've seen that. And, like, Brisbane have been, you know, last three years, bottom three side. This year, they'll probably... Finishing the eight at the very late minimum. So well, we saw last year though from Brisbane what they were going to dish up. Mm. What we, what we knew what their brand was, we knew what, how they were going to play. You know, we could predict a few things. With Carlton, you can't do any of that. It's the same with North at the moment. You can't really predict what they're going to do. But the last two weeks, you've seen them bring that hard, ferocious pressure, and you know they're going to play one on one and just pressure the football, the carrier, and bring that full effort. Carlton, you don't really see much. So yeah, and that's the strange difference. thing I find about sacking a coach mid-season everyone goes it frees it up and I understand it frees it up from the back from the back end point of view because it says to all the other prospective coaches that there's a spot available for you yeah. there's there's 0% chance we're keeping our current coach so we're going to we're being legit we're going to commit to you whereas for the for the front facing side for the players and the and the admin and the assistants it's like what do you do? like what do you do like Tiki can't be expected to just come in and you can't get change, them change anything yeah. or teach them a new game style. No. So they're going to play the same footy, just with a different bloke telling you to play the same footy. Yeah. They and might, their same footy's crap. They might ship it right back and just, again, be a bit like North, just go right, we're shipping right back. One-on footy, bring the pressure, bring the heat. A bit like um, 
Gold Coast, you know, they, they bring it for a half. You can see what they're gonna what they're building at Gold Coast. They're just not there yet to play it the four quarters, but when they do they get they take the yeah. game close. Like they put their first half or first quarter and a half against GRS was really good, then they fell away. So maybe he just does that and just goes, Oh, let's just play with a bit of freedom but the thing is also a lot of the assistants around now and the next month get told whether they're going to be renewed mm. next year. So it's pretty hard having an assistant there when you they know they're not going to be there next year. You've already got a temp coach in. So it's, yeah, it's going to be an interesting way or second half of the year for Carlton, especially when we see, we've spoken this a lot, is the last four or five years, their last or second half of the season, they actually perform worse than what they do at the, start of the first half. So yeah. as they much fall people, right away. Yeah, and as much as people talk up the the uh, little Hollywood, uh, honeymoon bump that you get from putting a new coach in, I think after that, three or four weeks after that, you get the definite everyone jumping in their own lifeboat because they realise that there will be a full review. Will I stay here as an assistant? Will I stay here as a fringe player? Yep. Will I get tra- used as trade bait if I'm any good? Yep. Like pretty much everyone on that list except for Cripps probably is, if the right deal came, you'd flip it. Oh, Cripps, McKay, Kern, I reckon, and Weedering. I think they're the four that can stay. I think they should be... Well, they've stuffed themselves and not getting the first round pick. They'll still have a pick in, you know, 10 to 15 range, but, geez, they're losing a first year pick. And what sort of damage is, and we've seen it with, uh, like, again, Melbourne referring to the academy, we've seen what, what can happen when you play kids too much too early. Like, mm. Welsh, like, he's, he's, he and Cripps are playing this massive amount of midfield minutes, and we see, you know, you look at Tank Trengrove and stuff like that from Melbourne when they were first playing. Um, Grimes and look, they're not even in the system anymore. And when they first started, they were good players, not going well. But you know, um, yeah, it can yeah. have an. It's massive effect. workloads, and it's also a losing environment. So it doesn't. It's not fun. You but, couldn't. You couldn't imagine that Cribb was having much fun. No, nah, you'd be hating life. And, and that's again, like he's the captain, and he's copping all this extra stuff, and probably just tying him down. Like the week off, will probably do him some good. But unfortunately, they got one more game against Brisbane. All right. So a couple of questions for that notice because he triggered me in some of your responses there. I presume, as a die-hard Collingwood Nuffy, you've been following uh, the digging up of skeletons. You talking about Mick Morris and Buckley? Yes. So, so I, no, yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm yeah, just yeah. going to say this. I didn't ask a question, but sure, go. Yeah, take I'm going to say this. So, Bucks does a weekly thing with Waitley every, every, at ICN yeah. every week, right? Yes. And, they, and, you know, and Jerry Waitley did actually point this out last night. They don't talk about footy a lot. They talk about life, parenting, coaching, because you know, he coaches his son's teams, all that stuff. Now, if you listen to the whole interview, he actually didn't say much, anything really disrespectful to Mick Monhouse. He just told him how he was yeah. and how he became successful. And then he just, and Bucks is a very honest person, all those things, just said, you know, we don't get along. He doesn't like me, he doesn't, we don't, it's, and in, not everyone has to get along. Can no. people, people realise that not everyone in the world gets he along? He did use the phrase, though, and if you listen to it, he does actually, the pull quote was a tasty pull quote. He did use the phrase, he's, he being Mick Malthouse sees Nathan Buckley as an enemy. Yeah. So that's pretty, that's pretty salacious. That's pretty an enemy. It's probably true. Yeah. And okay, yeah. But that does, if, but you, we, if we, you say that, there's going to be comments in the media about it. Yeah, but look, I just think people just take it. You want players to be honest. You want coaches to be honest. Yeah, you want yeah. to talk the truth. Yeah. Yeah. When they do, we still slam them. So, just people just need to stop being so just, precious. Yeah. Exactly. Just let it happen. Like you had these comments. You got asked. You had these comments. Yeah. You, you didn't. You know. You actually see a lot of respect for him and everything as well. Mm-hmm. But none of yeah. that gets printed. None of that gets printed. Oh, it does. Just bless it. Feather down in the other paragraph. And then Mick Monhouse re- replied and said he's been trying to contact him and stuff. Well, 
I find that a, a pretty hard to believe. So, yeah. I, I, you know, you, you you hear anyone in the media talk about it, and you know Gary Lyon and, and Tim Watson were talking about it this morning, and they were talking about you know their relationship, and they know that they don't get along with that. So, but they were still trying to say it was the wrong poor timing, which yeah, it probably was whatever. But you know, I bet if you said the normal thing, and everyone would be like, oh, he's boring. Or they'd say no, and someone would do the scoop and yeah. say, "No, nah, well, Buck said this, but actually, we found out that these conversations happened in yeah. 2010, so, 11, and actually, you don't, yeah. you don't, you don't. So yeah. yeah. Uh, and my second question that notice is uh, for the history buffs. Yeah. Do you have any care factor about VFA premierships being introduced into the club's official premiership record? Yes, because it was a uh, different comp, different rules, different teams, all those sorts of things. It happened a long, long time ago. Get over it. Maybe have two separate. If you want to, have, if you're really that worried about it, have a separate little VFA Premiership thing and keep that up there. But get over it. It's just so they. Who, 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 which which president? The Geelong it? president brought it up. Well, yeah, the hilarious just, part is though, if you include VFA as well, I think only two teams change order in like the yeah, total Geelong premierships. And That's it. Yeah. Well, we drop down one. We only yeah. get one extra. But it's it's. Pointless. It, it, I think it gets brought up regularly. It's like the, uh, you know, the mid-season trade and all that stuff. It gets brought up too often, and it's buy around. So they need something to talk about, and Bucks gave them something. So there you go. Yeah, and it is interesting because everyone talks about that. I just, I just hope that one day Kochi comes out and goes, "I reckon we should include all of our sample premierships." Well, actually, that's and then they'll have like fifty-three or something. On SEN today, actually, someone rang up and goes, "Oh, well, if, if you're including VFA, then you should re- include." Uh, sample or waffle premierships for yeah. those sorts of clubs and he goes if that's the case can you just add 36 to Port Adelaide because yeah. they're, they're a powerhouse over there so anyway the pair Monday's experts always know what's best always tell you what you should have done Monday's experts always know what's cooking how the game was lost and how it could have been alright so we'll get on to real footy chat because everyone else is talking about everything else but football the midway point is where we assess how teams are going and as you dedicated listeners will know every start of the season we do our wins over under predictions we're doing a little reflection on that and then asking the big question about each of these clubs who are taking the bye this week and we'll start from lowest to highest and uh, the lowest team taking the bye this week is the Western Bulldogs they're currently 14th. They've had four wins, seven losses, and a percentage of 88.7. Now, we taught them to take the unders. The over-under was eight and a half, so they're halfway there. So all, all predictions are in play there still? Yeah, we're safe. My big question for you, though, is will the Doggies ever become a high-scoring team? They do a lot right. Their midfield's quite good. They're playing with 22 midfielders, really. Yeah. Well, they've got a couple of kids. Also, got Norton English. Yeah. And a few other blokes. Doesn't like they do it. Like they, they've got a great midfield that bats really deep, which helps when you, everyone's a midfielder. Their forward line takes the most inside fifty marks in the competition. Yeah, because and got, yet they, they refuse. Oh, not refuse, but like they're just incapable of kicking a decent score. They, they struggle in front of sticks, and we, uh, like Melbourne, I think they miss a lot of goals. They miss, like kick a lot of points, but they, they need to play. So they got they got Norton as their key forward at the moment. You know, he's a backman. He's doing a good role. Stuff like that. They got uh, Dixon. Oh, he is he's a backman. I oh, know it's your thing. It's yeah, your thing. It's, it's, you're I'm, committing to I'm it. You're committing to I'm it. Not not changing my stance. Yeah. They got Lloyd and Dixon and um, oh, some other um, Gowers down there. Yeah. They're good. You can hit them on a lead. Bang, that's fine. But if it's under pressure, and they've done good, well against teams that 
like the like the uh, surge ball for it's like Richmond they always beat Richmond hmm. because they they possess the ball they chip it around they good with their foot skills and they, they beat teams like that but when it comes to teams pressuring them and putting them under the pump and they can't have that they've got no plan B because they can't kick it down the line because they've got no one to kick to hmm. so I just think Bebo needs to adjust his plan he brought in a first gamer who'd been playing uh, in the I think it was I can't remember if it was in the sand for a waffle, whatever it was. From he played at Geelong, Gardner. Yeah. Played his first game. He looked a bit out of place in his first game against against Freo on the weekend. But what's that saying to the other players on the list that have been slugging away all year and doing all right in the VF, you know, VFL? That oh, you know, I'm picking up a bloke from the waffle or sample. I'm pretty sure it was a sample. He's got delisted from a club already, but I'm going to throw him in before any of you get a go. So it's pretty stiff on blokes like Shaki and those sorts of guys that you know doing all right and there's a few other midfielders there doing all right like you know um, Hayes was doing all right and he got dropped so he just keeps changing the team too much and I think he just needs to select his side and stick with it for a period and probably give his uh, young tools a, a crack and when I mean, you look at Brisbane and even Carlton you know they keep playing the young tools because the more games you get into them yeah the more likely they are to tear it apart. So Yeah, and they're kind of opposite in progression needs to midfielders. Like young midfielders need to limit their minutes so they don't burn out. Whereas young tools, you need to pump the minutes into them. Because, yeah. like, heuristically, a young tall gets, like, 10 touches a game tops. That's yeah. a huge game for they them. They need the development. And they need the development. They need the, need the exposure. And they need to learn the craft and learn the patterns and all those kind of things that you can't get unless you're playing. Whereas a midfielder just needs to know how to get in there, get the footy and get out. And you can do that. With limited minutes, you can't do that as, as a four with limited minutes, and especially if you're not getting on the park. So, and as, again, like as much as the, I suppose Bedford was quite good in the way he addressed uh, Tom Boyd's retirement. It is kind of easy to see how a player could get fed up with the Bulldogs, because Boyd was stuck in the twos too. Yeah. And as much as you can say, oh, it's the issues he had and blah blah blah, it's like, well, yeah, but also it was the fact that Bedford wasn't going to play. Yeah. He definitely was in their best 22. And all the players they've been chasing so far this year, like Smith and, and Martin from uh, Gold mm. Coast, Smith from Hawthorne, obviously, they're sort of, they don't need more of those players. They're just, they're just, they need a ruckman yeah. or someone who can provide support for English while he's still developing because he's going to be a good player. And then they need you know some tall players at either end of the ground to bookend them because I mean, we saw on the weekend, their tall's got a hold of them. Mm. They had no one to plan them. So and they're going back to Trengrove. Like, he's not the answer. Mm. So anyway, um, yeah, I think they're they're not going to win many more games. I'll, so they need four to break the yeah, over under mark. No, they need five. Oh, so five to break the over under mark, and that's not happening. So not winning five out of eleven. No. So we're safe there. And they're not making finals. Well, they're definitely not. If they're not going to win five. Bevo should be lucky that there's a lot of other teams at the moment that are rubbish that are saving him from cop and media scrutiny. I don't think it's that far around the corner because there's definitely one blog in the media that loves to bring up Bevo's uh, four balls. So stay tuned on old, that. Old Purple Barrett. Old, 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 Barrett. old Purple, yep. Old Mr. Barrett loves to bring it up. And I'm sure if they're, you know, seven wins for the year, it will be reminded that he is uh, on thin ice. Okay, the second team, St Kilda, 12th. Five wins, six losses at a very low percentage of 85.6. Now, we say this a little bit about teams like St Kilda, but my big question is, is the decline around the corner. Now, they jumped out after I said they wouldn't win a game for the year and embarrassed me in my prediction. So they're on five wins. The over-under break-even is seven and a half. Will they find three wins I in think, the back half of the season? I think they will. I think... Is the, so they're not going to decline as per usual? No, I actually... I think they're going all right. Like, considering all the injuries they've got, like, they're probably going to decline. They're not going to win. 
I reckon they've got another three wins or four wins in them. They've yeah. got a pretty good draw on the, on the way home. Uh, they're going to get Hanbury back. Um, there's rumours around that Carlisle might be back before the end of the year as well. If you had have said to me at the start of the year that I'd, I'd get eight, nine wins, I would have said you're kidding. Well, we so, did. We took him for the unders. Yeah, and the, only the model had him as overs. I reckon Richardson should keep his job. I don't see how he can lose it now. Well, the only thing that, that he loses is they don't win another game for the rest of the year. Hmm. But... With the injuries he's had, with the, all the other crap with it, deal with the trouble with China players getting sick, five or more players, captain breaks his leg, all this, he was crook as well. He had to deal with a fair bit of crap, and I reckon he deserves another another year, hmm. like, at least another year to prove himself. And I, I like the way they're going about it, and who knows, next year they should be pushing for the finals, and that's where the pressure will really come on because next year with the team he's got, with the injuries coming back, yeah, and another year of drafting, they should be pushing the finals. And if they don't get it, then maybe he's on his way out. All right, speaking of teams that like to push the funnels, Hawthorne are 11th. They've also got five wins, six losses, but a much better percentage of 101.2. Now, we both took them for the unders. The break-even here is 10.5, so they're just under halfway there. Now, Clarko, the big question here is, Clarko says, we don't push, we don't stay in the middle of the ladder. We either push at the top, or we go at the bottom and we rebuild. What will they do the second half of this year? Uh, I reckon they'll keep rebuilding. I reckon they'll keep budding youngsters. He knows they're not going to win it. Um, that, saying that, like that's why Ruffhead's still playing Rezies. Otherwise, yeah. he would have been back already. They've got some winnable games there. They'll probably pinch one or two, but I reckon they... I, I don't think they'll get over the, the ten and a half. They won't win another six games. I reckon the good teams will, will beat them, as they should, especially second half of the year when it means more for the good teams. Starting to build for finals, and yeah, they'll probably knock off... They'll probably knock off someone like a JBS or a Collingwood or something like that just because of the way they play and how Kaiko is. And they'll they'll beat the teams below them, but I don't reckon they'll get another six wins. And yeah, it'll be interesting to see what they do at um, trade time. You know, there's, they should just put away uh, Wingard and just get him right for next year. There's a few other blokes they should just put on ice now and get ready for next year. But do yeah. you subscribe to the to that theory of depending on which club it is? So Hawthorne are a winning club. They've got great culture, good people in charge. They know how to manage a list and get it right for next year. Teams like Hawthorne, uh, sorry, Melbourne, Essendon, Carlton, who those sorts of teams don't have a lot of success. Poor culture, you know, they're not not known for winning finals and being up there and you know, been rebuilding as a term for a long time. They need to make sure they're winning as many games as possible to start learning how to win and stuff. I reckon that's the difference. That's yeah. why I don't like the the fact that people are saying Melbourne should just get ready for next year. Mm. Hang on, they've been, they've they, haven't earned, they haven't earned that privilege. No, no, definitely not. They should be trying to win as many games as possible. All right, you mentioned there's the good segue. Essendon a 10th, five wins, six losses, very similar percentage of 102.9. Now, you said about Hawthorne, they'll beat the teams they need to beat, they'll contend against everyone else, and they'll probably pinch a few because they're well-drilled, they're well-coached, and on their day they're a pretty good side. Essendon are in the same bracket, and their over-under for the year is more. So 12 and a half. I... Now, stupidly, took the over. Upon reflection, you and the model took the under. I bought into the Essendon hype again. Uh, is this team capable of being the top eight sides regularly required to A, make the funnels, and B, break their uh, threshold of 13 wins? No. They won't make the eight. They won't. They'll, they'll be lucky to get another three wins or four wins this year. They've got too many injuries. Yeah, they'll get some players back, but too many injuries. Their list doesn't have depth, and they make excuses for having injuries. Instead of being like a, Carl, a Collingwood or a 
uh, Richmond or you know other teams in the top eight who have injuries and just keep fronting up and having blokes play their role. They use it as an excuse as Wusher came out and said, "This is my first year with injuries, blah blah." blah. I should be. Um, yeah, give them more I time. I should be judged on what I am now. I'm sorry, it's just making excuses. A bit like Melbourne, you know, always making excuses being, you know, they're, they're losing games and the simple errors and stuff like that. And, you know, he's always been... Paint, uh, the, good, paint the greener yeah. picture. When they should just be honest about it. So, um, yeah, I don't see him doing that. And I, I reckon Busher will struggle to keep his job at year's end, so... And again, they got to go look at themselves and they got in Shield, they got in Smith, they're giving up first round draft picks, but really were they in the position to do that? So, and you know, obviously the whole um, Joey Danaher situation, and now Orazio Fantasia's injured, and um, you know, but they lost Shield for a week, he might be back um, after the buy, and obviously Stringer. So they've got and other issues as well, they've got plenty of issues at the moment, Essendon, and they're, uh, they're a long way away. Even long term as well? So that like they're not playing fun, like are they. Going to be breaking that funnels drought anytime soon, ish. Like without without healthy lips. I don't think they're going to do it with Wusher as coach. Oh. I think change a coach, change of setup. They, they they can be a good team. Mm. They've got some talent there, but I definitely think their game style needs to change. And you see it like all the successful clubs in the AFL era are built off defence first, and then the attack is what wins you the premiership. Yeah. But the fundamentals have to be there, and I think they don't. They, they their fundamental is win the ball and kick goals. There's nothing about restricting the opposition, nothing about, yeah, really anything that's defensively locked down. It's all, we'll sag, we'll rebound. We'll Until score. the rain came on the weekend and it was only because, I mean, you saw them play Richmond a week before in the rain where they just did not adapt to the conditions. Mm. When the rain came on Sunday, they adapted a lot quicker than what Carlton did and they looked a lot better. But when before the rain came that first quarter, it was pretty even and, You'd almost say Carlton were on top. That worries me because, mm. yeah, they're just... I just think they're poorly coached and they're poorly managed and their football department needs an overhaul and probably a few players need to be... They need a bit of a, a facelift, I think, with a few of the older guys. And, yeah, they just need to have a little freshen up and they'll probably be up there. And obviously getting Joe Dano back and, and having Orazio on the park more often will definitely help. Two of our Enigma teams to round out this little section... The first one, Fremantle, their ninth, six wins, five losses, and a massive 109% for a, for a Ross Lyon coach team. So we've worked out that Frio can win ugly. They've played they, some good footy. Yeah, but as like they win tight. If the game's kept tight, they win. Yeah. And, you know, Mickey Walters just loves kicking, kicking for after the siren to, to clench games. But can they win well? Can they, can, they do it, can they have a performance like they did in round one? That shows that this is a good team that can just win all four quarters, leave from the front, and just and just do it. Be a be a real contender. Like, because I've already broken our preseason prediction, so their their over unders was eight and a half. They've already got six wins. They'll probably smash that. We've taken them for the overs, so big tick to us. But uh, can they keep? Can they do something in the back half of the season that says yes, you're a funnels team, and then going forward, you're a top four, potentially even a premiership team. They're not top four or premiership. They're top eight. They now the things that it's going to cost them is they beat GWS. Yeah. Then they lost a few few games in a row. They should have they should have won. Mm-hmm. They come out and beat us, and they obviously just won last week um, over in the west. The week before over in the west, when that point by when Brisbane pretty much dominated the whole goal, they dominated the majority yeah. of the game. Now it's whether they can keep consistently performing because, like I said, they've. 
they've dropped they've beat GWS and they lose games like you know um, the doggies and stuff mm. like that and then they come back and well I think they beat the doggies you know you, you catch my drift yeah um, and then so they've beaten Collingwood they need to make sure they keep doing this and beat the teams they should be beating instead of losing to the teams that they should be beating if you know what I mean like yeah yeah I think it's I think it's this is this is where the middling teams get into dangerous situations because for for the teams that should be around the top four, every game's kind of important because if you're playing another good side, so a richmond Collingwood game, both teams go, well, we need to win this to, to get that gap. So it's important. But it's also important for Richmond to beat a Carlton because they know if they slip up, well, A, they, they've dropped four points they should have banked and B, it's going to be all up in the media, oh my God, massive ups of the year, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. For Frio, they don't have that. They don't have that. So if you drop a game here or there, it doesn't really matter because realistically, everyone knows we're going to be finishing, you know, six to twelve, yeah. and that game won't matter too much. But what it does mean is that they get up for the big game. So you get up for a Collingwood, you get up for a Richmond, but you don't get up for a Gold Coast, and you don't get up for a Bulldogs, and you don't get up for an Essendon, and that's the games that you drop. Well, they, they lost to Essendon, they lost to Adelaide, and they lost to Richmond when you took, you know, you had pretty much no one playing for you, mm. and it was over in Perth, and they they, they flogged. So they're the games I was talking about where then they go to GWS. Like they beat GWS at home and absolutely flogged them. They should have beaten us by a lot mm. more on Saturday, but they you know, they still snuck home for a win. But yeah, you just um you just gotta worry about their consistency. They've definitely got enough talent on the park to be a good good team. Yeah. And they've still got some, you know, injured players that can come back as well. So they'll definitely go over, they'll definitely play finals. And you know what, you'd hate to get them first week of the finals at home. Absolutely. Do you think they're capable of that performance, though. Do you think that Ross Lane will ever just go, you know what, let's take this to sixth gear and kick a massive score and just show them how good we actually are? Or will it still be that third gear, fourth gear, we'll win by two goals, we'll kick 80 points, we'll be conservative? I think until you gain trust in that in that certain style for longer periods of time, you'll stick to the what he knows best and what he, what he knows keeps winning in games. Yeah. So, and... They will open it up at times because it just fall naturally that way. Like the Richmond Fair game was pretty open, mm. but they got flogged. So, um, yeah, I, I think those sorts of games when they get flogged when it when it opens up or they get beaten, that's when he resorts back to the. Well, it kind of proves his point. I mean, yeah. He obviously has his own, own internal mantra that's like, "No, this is the style that wins games." And when he goes, "No, no, let the boys play," they get smashed. So yeah. it's hard to kind of, it's hard to campaign for it. But I think long term we see that that's what you need to do. Yeah. He's built a platform. He just needs to add that little bit of extra freedom that allows teams to go from very good to being potential premiers. The last one is a team that does the opposite, in my opinion. So Port Adelaide, a seventh, six wins, five losses, 110.9%, which is huge. I reckon there's a huge chance that we get egg on our face when it comes to Port. We all went the unders. The break-even here for them is 12.5, so they need seven wins in the back half. No, they don't get seven wins, man. Seven from 11? No. So at their best, if Port plays at their best, they win. No, they they're a good enough team to beat. They're a good. Them at their best is a good enough team to beat any team in the competition. I think. I think no. I think. I think they just don't show it. They're, at a, all. they're a fluctuating side that they might get Charlie Dixon back at the end of the year, but they're not. You can see again. They're another team that you, you bank on them to win. So they obviously beat some kid. They lose teams like Hawthorne and um, who's the other? They lost to some. They lost to Adelaide. Um, you know so. And we smashed them as well, but and they and North took them really close. So that's their last four or five weeks. Mm. So if they're a good team, they they should be beating those teams like the Hawthorns and stuff like that. But they're yeah. not. They 
They haven't got a strong enough depth, or haven't got a lot of depth in their list. They're relying on young players, and they've got a few injuries at the moment as well. And Bokey's playing the best footy he's ever played. Um, you know, they, they got a good win in China. They got to come back now, and um, yeah, I, I just don't think they're travelling as good. They're, they're still an enigma. That's what I mean. But well, my question, my big question is, how do they ever stop being that? Is it that you know Hinkley needs to go? Is it that they need to bring in? It completely change the culture. You need to blow it up, yeah. and I don't think they need to blow it up. No. I think there's enough good. There's, there's enough talent in that list. Well, you're still to playing, build around. Well, you're still playing Motlop. You're still getting inconsistent performances. Well, yeah, they're not really. <laughs> not playing him that many times. Well, he's played the last few weeks. Yeah, but he's had to struggle to get back into that side. I just I, I don't know about Kenny Eagley because since he's taken over, they've been the biggest enigma side going around and I don't know whether it's the way he goes about coaching he lets his players get away to him I don't, I don't know and whether it is the play the players they recruit and pick um, they're wrong they've picked up some absolute belters the last two years from drafting and but they do love a bit of damaged goods when it comes to the secondary recycled players from other clubs yeah you got you know obviously Rockcliffe isn't you know Rockcliffe Jack, Lop, Watts, Watts. Um, so yeah like Thomas even yeah Look, they're going to rely on Dixon getting back and you know a few others getting back from injury to have a big push and be a bit more consistent. But I don't think they're going to get twelve and a half wins. They'll probably make the finals. They'll probably sneak in the lower end. Yeah, I think they got. A, I think they got an okay run home, but it's still pretty tough for them. There's some. They're like Freo. They're an enigma. They they beat the teams that you don't think they can beat, and then they lose to teams they should be beating. So yeah, Which I, is- you can't trust them. So why should they? Why do? You, why should you think that they have the potential to? all of a sudden break that inconsistency and make the top four or have a chance to win the flag or you can't so you just ride them on Alright that will be footy played this week even though it is a long weekend in Melbourne so let's get into previewing that one the round 12 action as per usual we break it up into upset alerts 50-50 picks and sure things I think in my heart of hearts, everything's a 50-50 this week. But... It actually is, I reckon. Yeah, but I've broken up... Except for one game, the Carlton game's not, but yeah. Oh, no, that's, I think that's a 50-50, no, but no, for no. one thing and one thing only. No, it's not. There is only one sure thing, and we'll get to that, and I think you're going to hate it. Yeah. But, upset alert for mine, Friday, 7.50, Richmond, Geelong. Richmond at $2.60, home dog, which is very rare in the last couple of years for Richmond. Geelong are forty-six favourites, so on top of the ladder... That makes perfect sense. The line here, 13 and a half. Richmond proved everyone wrong and won a lot of games without Rance. Yep. Can they do it without Asprey as well? Yeah, definitely. I, the problem is going to be who plays on uh, Big Sav and obviously... Um, so you don't rate Hawkins because everyone's talking about who goes to Hawkins, who shuts down the Tomahawk. Yeah, well, he's a pretty good player. Um, again, like he goes to him. So I reckon, I hope Dylan Grimes goes to Ablett, but he probably won't. You probably have to play on Rowan. You need someone to play on Sav, so is that a bolter? Um, I'm not sure. Yeah. Um, and then here, who plays on Hawkins? Like if they get good ball in there, and we know how six, how good they are when it goes in there, yeah. conversion, and kicking straight. They're, they're in a monster, but it's going to come down to your midfield, which got absolutely smashed last week by North. Because if your midfield can can win the footy where it needs to and deliver the football well into the forward 50, and again, this is where someone like Tom Lynch needs to have a big game because I think that's the 
when he's playing well, Richmond will play a lot better, obviously, because he's a gun. Yeah. But he, he needs to make it have an impact. Otherwise, the inset marks of Geelong's back line just have a field day, and they could score heavily. I'm leaning. I'm actually leaning towards Richmond just for the fact that I know that they'll be very disappointed with last week. It's going to be a tight contest. They'll bring the heat. Geelong will bring the heat. Geelong will want to knock off a top four, top five team as well, especially at the G where you know, everyone's saying, can they play at the G? But I, I'm actually going towards Richmond. I think if they can bring that fierce contest, that fierce pressure, then we know they can and get that you know surge mentality going. And so you say you say that you know that they can. Yeah. Currently, Richmond are ranked 16th in the AFL for the pressure factor applied. They're a whole 10 percent lower than the average. Yeah. So they're the third worst team at their own trademark. But do you know when they've done, they've done it the best? When their backs are against the wall after done, a loss. Yeah, so Port Adelaide, Fremantle. They have huge bounce back ability and they love being the underdogs. Yeah. And I think they're the one team that you can kind of go the well with the emotion side of things and, and not and not be uh, left empty-handed. My massive concern is in, well, we've already said, who plays on their, their key forwards and even their other, their other small but damaging forwards like Ablett, like Rowan. They have the highest conversion rate for inside 50s. They have the highest applied pressure factor as well, and they're the best contested ball team. Yep. So they're going to win the ball in the middle, they're going to kick it inside their 50, and they're going to score. I don't, see how, I don't see how Geelong lose this, other than the enigma of Richmond's you know, tigerish fight, and Geelong, which seems like a bad thing to put my money on. And Geelong don't turn up for a game. Yeah. Look, to be honest with you, I'm, I, wouldn't back, I wouldn't touch this from a punting perspective. No. But my gut is, and my gut's been alright this year. My gut's telling me to tip Richmond because I just think they're going to bring it. There's the lines already bounced out from nine and a half to thirteen and a half. So if that keeps going, I'd be having a look at that because I reckon it'll be a close game no matter what. Yep. And a lot of pundits are tipping Geelong to win easily, and we just we just know with what's happening this year, you just can't. Yeah, not easily. This game is definitely an upset alert. If Richmond win, it's not a surprise. It's a that was a, that's a very classic Richmond thing to do. But there's a lot of there's a lot of green in Geelong at the moment from our stats wise. Yes. Yeah. Again, I'm starting to look at going. Do I change my tip back to Geelong? I'll probably decide after this. But at the moment, I'm uh, sticking with Richmond, and obviously we'll put the tips up. But I, yeah, I just look the way they play is probably suits Geelong because of the way they sag off and they like to. Richmond don't obviously lower their eyes. They don't keep the ball off Geelong, which is what will beat them. Yeah. Um, the, the the surge mentality and the pressure will need to be up because if it surges in and they've got their zone set up and they go straight to a Tom Stewart or you know a Taylor or someone like that then it's just going to come straight back out and with no pressure And uh, it's good to see Rioli back hopefully he doesn't get dropped again but I'm a bit disappointed Bolton's out yeah see my major concern here is I think the ball has be camped in Geelong's forward half because Richmond aren't, haven't been great at defensive intercepts this year. Obviously, they're missing most of their great defenders. They're not very good at one-on-one defence because that's not their style. So they're ranked 16th in one-on-one defensive contests one. And I think that they're going to yeah they're going to be found out and have the ball in the wrong end of the field. And if you have the ball in Geelong's half, they're going to score against you. They, they have. Until they, until they stop doing it, that's, that's kind of the trend to back in. So I'm tipping Geelong. I'm still uh, at Richmond. Link. But I don't think... There's enough confidence here to lay any money down. All right, on to other basically 50-50 picks for the weekend. I can't believe you think this is 50-50. For one reason and one reason only, mate. And, and you know, we saw it last week. So, Carlton, a $2.85 outsiders against Brisbane, $1.39 favourites. They're playing at Marvel Stadium on Saturday at one forty-five. The line here is pretty slender for those odds, 16 and a half. The Blues sacked their coach. 
We see what happens in the second coach. They come out the next week and they play with freedom. Can they have their Mighty Duck story? No. No? No, they've got too many injuries. They're not good enough. And Brisbane are on a roll. And Br- Brisbane will know about this. And Fagan's a very good uh, coach, very good man, manager. They'll be ready for this. And they're going to come out and uh, they'll cover that line. They'll cover it. They'll win by five or six goals. Um, I reckon 20 or 39 points. It'll come up in my bets a bit later. And, um, yeah, I just think that Geelong... Uh, sorry, Brisbane are way too good. Way too good. They've got all, everything covered. Midfield, forward, back, their ball movement. The way they... The, what showed me that uh, Hawthorne... Oh, sorry, that Brisbane were up and about and they're a real team was last week, Hawthorne kicked the first five or six goals. Brisbane either come back and win and win well and with a bit of flair. And I like the way they're playing and they, I, I think they pretty... I haven't actually checked this, but I'm pretty sure they play Marvel pretty well as well because it's a quick track. They obviously smashed North Melbourne there earlier this year. They can open it up. They can. They'll run all over Carlton, and I, I have a feeling that it it, it might be. A, I, I was thinking twenty to thirty nine, but it could be even bigger. Like I really think that this could be a blowout. There you go. I, I just think that <laughs> Brisbane are flying at the moment, and, and I said Fagan will want to get them up and about. Carlton might bring the pressure and you know all the heat and all that stuff, but. At the end of the day, you haven't got enough good players on the field. You can't win no matter what. So Now, you say that Carlton might bring the pressure. And this is going against my theory. This is the 50-50. They are ranked 17th in the competition for applied pressure. Yep. They're down by about 15% on the league average. And they rank last in pressure received. So they're, easy, they're the easiest team to apply pressure to. So that's why they're, that's why they're terrible with the ball, because they're always kicking under, under duress. They can't find a target. None, none are open. And Brisbane are fantastic at that. They are the number three pressure team in the competition, and they love to have the ball in their forward half. So everything you said there about them being too good is probably true. I'm just put that in there as a 50-50 because, you know, the whole we're second coach honeymoon pack period, la di da da. But Carlton is nowhere near as good as North Melbourne, and they don't have the assets there to really make it work. So yeah, and, I mean, the been, obvious pick. They're bringing like they brought in some experience this week, Carlton, Thomas McGovern and Simpson. Lockie O'Brien comes back as well. But like, you just got the midfielders, Zorko, Lyons, uh, Lockie Neal, Mitch Robertson, McCluggage, like, compared to pretty much Cripps. Like, and yeah. Steph Martin's a very, very good ruckman, and so is Cruiser. Cruiser, you know, if he didn't get injured so often, he'd be one of the best ruckmen we've seen. So, yeah, it's just... I just don't see... Like, you know, Harris Andrews playing bloody good football, and he'll have either Harry McHale or Kerno. Um, and, you know, down the other end, you've got McStay, Hipwood, Rayner, Cameron, Taylor, McCarthy. Like, there's some, there's some bloody dangerous players down there, and that's not even talking about what's on the bench. So, yeah, I think that, yeah, Brisbane just get the job done here and get have a good win, and then they have the, I'm pretty sure, the week off. So. There you go. Yeah, Brisbane, the obvious tip there. Moving on to Saturday, 4.35. Gold Coast, the $3 Outsiders versus North Melbourne, $1.36. They're playing at Metricon Stadium. The line here is 17 and a half. And Baz, my gut isn't as powerful as yours, but it's telling me something in this game. Yeah, I actually thought the same. I think the Suns are going to do it. And I've got, I've got no stats to back it up. I've just got gut feel. And again, North got up there. North got up for the game they knew their coach was going to get sacked. They, they said it felt like losing a family member. That's a big emotional toll. I don't know if the listeners out there have lost family members, but that's a big emotional toll. Yep. So come out and say that. Yeah, I've obviously been through something. Yep. The week after, sure, he's freed him up. 
yeah. old Racy boy, the quirky and, and assistant and coach. And they all come around. They love, come love around, him. Yep. They love Racy. They put him wanted, in the circle. Wanted to do it for him. Do it, do it for yeah. Racy. Now, that doesn't work forever. Yeah. The Suns are a sneakily good coach start. Yeah. Stewie Jew knows what he's doing. Yeah. I think he would have circled this in and gone, this is one we can win. Well, if, and they got back, took Merle and Harbrow, which are two bloody begins. My biggest concern, I, I've seen the same thing as you, so I'm thinking, you know, North Melbourne have been up for two weeks now with a lot of shit going on. Uh, Gold Coast have been playing halves and then falling right away. North Melbourne travelling, Gold Coast playing at home. I wanted to tip Gold Coast, but I just my worry is their fade outs the last few weeks where they've been competitive or they've played two or three quarters. So when they've played halves, yep. why haven't they been able to capitalise on that? Like what's stopped them? Like why are they competing and not getting a lead? Because they're still so young and so inexperienced. But they're, they're still getting it forward, though, aren't they? Yeah, they're still they're still playing football. They're still they haven't kicked the score either. They're averaging like the last four weeks something. Yeah, they're averaging like fifty something points. Hmm. So that, that's got to be a worry. My only thought was if it was wet up there, whether that might bridge the gap a bit because they've played a few games up there in the wet already this year. But, yeah, I, I want to tip Gold Coast as well. But All right, so the Kangaroos concede a score from half of their inside 50s conceded. Yep. That's ranked last in the competition. So this is the one team where the Gold Coast get inside 50. They're younger, talented, more, you know, more flary type players can make a count in the scoreboard against them. And it is going to be wet on Saturday. So there you go. Look, it's going to be a messy game. I just think... I want and it's to... messy as well. The Suns love contested footy. Yeah, well, they... So they're the second most contested by percentage team in the competition. Yeah, well, there players... are angles here to pick the Suns. At three bucks, I think it's worth a punt. Well, that's for you. I'm going to stick with North. All right, I'm tipping the Suns. And then North will probably fall away a bit after this, but... I... Gold Coast will win games still in the back end of the year. They'll win a couple more games, but I don't know if it's this one. Adelaide and the Giants are facing off Adelaide Oval. Adelaide are $2.10 outsiders. Because they're no good. But only $2.10 outsiders. GWS are $1.72. The line here is a flimsy four and a half. This is my lock of the week, Baz. I'm, if, if the Giants cover the line here, I'm promoting the Giants to the Bankables. They are joining... Collingwood and Geelong as the two bankable teams this year. The only, the only thing, only my only worry for Jerbus is that Lockie Whitfield's out. Yeah. And the last time he was out was the the ordinary performance they put up against Hawthorne. Mm-hmm. However, after last week, the Crows have dropped Greenwood and Gibbs again, and Mackay. Yet there's a certain bloke with a C next to his name still playing. I don't know how. Um, I think it's because he's got the C next to his name. Yeah, it must be. They get Hardigan, Douglas, and Crouch back in. I do not rate Adelaide at all. That's why I tipped Melbourne last week. I don't rate Adelaide at all. I still don't. They were lucky to get away with last week. Absolutely. Bloody lucky. But that's why you never tipped Melbourne. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. I, got, I learned <laughs> that the hard way. I still don't rate... I still don't rate... I don't know how you can tip against Jerbers here. You cannot. And, I, and Jerbers at the line is one of my better bets of the week. And... Uh, yeah, I just think Jervis... That, that, what happened against Hawthorne and what happened against Fremantle earlier this year should be why they should be ready for this game coming in and, and want to play. And they actually... And they've won the last couple of times at Adelaide Oval as well. So they played the ground well. Actually, two years ago, I think it was, I was there around one when they flogged Adelaide. Um, and yeah, I reckon Jervis... Even without Whitfield, uh, Williams comes back or help him out down back. And I think that... Uh, 
old mate uh, Mummy is going to have an absolute lovely time um, against Riley O'Brien. He was against Gold Coast last week. He was his pestering best just laying blokes out. And that was in a game that meant nothing. And I reckon this week when it means a bit more, he's just going <laughs> to lay some more blokes Ramp out. it up to about 30. And I'm surprised Roy Sloan's still in the in the team. I, I wouldn't be surprised if he's laid out. Due to injury? Yeah, he hurt himself last week. And I, I, I've heard that he, he might not play. So. Ah, well, in that case, get on early. But yeah, all the stats back this up. So I don't understand... I do not understand how the Crows can be considered by the mainstream media a top four contender with these three figures. They average 10 marks inside 50, inside 50 at, per game this season. That is the third worst in the AFL. Yep. They lose a third of their offensive 101s, the second worst in the AFL, and they commit 28 defensive half turnovers per game. Yeah, which is where most teams like scoring from. Is, is what is the easiest way to score? Off turnover. Yeah, they for, give it to you half. in yeah. their in their defensive half. Yeah. They are the second worst team at that as well. Yeah. They are worse than Carlton at that. Yeah. And people think they're a top four side. Against the Giants, who love to just have the footy, they average the most marks inside 50. They average the most disposals per turnover. They're a very, very clean side, and they love to score from clearance. They will dominate Adelaide. Four and a half is a joke. That's my lock of the week. All right, our last 50-50 will be the Sunday 3.20 game at the G, which is very rare. Sydney are $2.15 outsiders. West Coast, $1.67 favourites. The line here is 5.5. Again, I'm confused about the line here. West Coast are showing signs of being... I think because Hearn and Allen Classic are West Coast, but yes. Hearn and Allen are out. Now, Sean and Hearn's a massive one because uh, it means that McGovern's have to play a bit tighter. But... I know Buddy's injured and everyone talks about it, but what would... I was seeing the other day, Ooh. why couldn't you just chuck Buddy down back? Play as a spare behind the footy. Because he can't mark above his head? doesn't really need to. If he just gets... If he's the link man or... or I'll play as like a, like a halfback. Yeah, just plays halfback as a spare. Like, you know, you you got your overlap players. When, so, obviously, at, at the SCG, the game is, there'll be a lot of, con- lot of stoppage, a lot of, con- lot of congestion... But they, they they tend to play with numbers behind the footy still, yeah. you know. So why doesn't he play a kick behind the footy? So he plays like an Isaac Smith role. Yeah, and just runs along a wing, gets behind the footy. Doesn't that way he can sit there for a bit, do a bit like Mitch McGovern does, doesn't and gets involved in link play because he's he's a really good kick. He's amazing infield kick. He's, he's an a, underrated. He's, I don't know how, but he's an underrated field kick. He's a good decision maker most yep. of the time, and he'll open up their four line because last week they went to him a lot again. He's not 100%. And it just it just would throw West Coast off like on what the hell is Buddy doing to keep on? And also, ironically, he can still be a forward scoring impact as well because he can score from 60 out. Yeah, exactly. And Reid played his best game the other week and maybe he's need to put a bit more you know, on him and say, look, you need to lift. McCartan, you know, you've got Blakey down there as well. Dawson showing glimpses of what he can do. So maybe it's just... I think this is going to be a lot closer than what it, what it can be because it's going to be a typical Sydney game. Um, Shannon Hearn's a big out. The, you know they've named obviously extended, extended bench, benches. I hope Jared Jared Cameron is uh, a, a really exciting young player. Hopefully he gets a gig because he's got some tricks and he'll add a lot. Like seriously, with Liam Ryan and, and uh, Rioli and, and Cameron running around, there's some uh, there's and Jetta as well. Obviously there's some tricks to be had amongst those four if they mm-hmm. all play together but yeah I'm probably going to tip West Coast just to be safe because I'm probably going to obviously tipping Richmond's my 
upset yeah. of the week. I can't tip two. Well, you can. Yeah, I can. But yeah, I, I just think that Sydney will, will be a lot closer than many people expect. And George Hewitt will probably tag someone and, and he's been playing really good footy. He's getting a lot of it as well. And I think the, the big out is um, from is Kennedy from Sydney as well. He's not being there. It's, it's a massive out. With that midfield of West Coast, they should get the job done. It might be a bit like last week where it was tight for a bit against Geelong, Sydney, but and then they get the job done late. But, uh, yeah, I, I think West Coast should win. They've just got too much quality over the field, over a young, um, a younger and a more experienced Sydney team that's still learning how to play together and see what kids they've got. So Yeah. So you mentioned bringing Buddy into the wing or doing something funky with his positioning. He does average eight scoring shots a game against West Coast. So he, he does like playing against West Coast. Well, it's, and that, like I said, having no Hearn there as well, and mm. obviously Alan played uh, back when um, when they had injuries two or three games ago when when they got done it over in Perth, I think it was. Mm-hmm. I can't remember the, who they were playing, but he played back, and um, both them out. You know, all of a sudden McGovern and Schofield are probably their two key defenders. Tom Cole, you know, um, there's not much in the on the bench there that I can see he can play back that I know, that I know of anyway um, you know Josh Smith from Collingwood has uh, been named as well for the ex-Collingwood player the rookie player um, so yeah I, I just think they've got too much quality but the only obviously that the, their back line is exposed at home yeah and they have no one else to fall back there without obviously um, Alan playing so but he might be the difference Reid might be the difference you never know but I think the midfield of and the four line of West Coast is just too strong, and I think they're they're getting ready to get into that into their prime again this this part of the season. So their stats are very weird. So they've averaged uh, forty seven inside fifties, which is ranked fifteenth in the AFL, but they score a goal from twenty six of them, which is ranked third. Yeah. So they don't get in there very often, but when they do, they score. And that's how they're winning games that they are winning. And the same uh, with their shots at goal. So the third fewest shots at goal, but they have the highest accuracy. So I think even if they only played seventy five percent. They've got enough damage to, uh, to make it count and to win a game against Sydney. Well, you, I mean, I said to you after they lost the last game, lost, which is where Alan played down back, that they, they could win the next five or six games and be fine and everyone will forget about their early form, early season stutter. And I think they're, they're travelling really, really well. And Collingwood's the same. We've been playing a quarter of footy here and there, getting the job done now. It cost us last week and, you know, big game on Monday and it's where... And it's a great segue. Monday, 3.20, Queen's birthday weekend. Also, big old freeze at the G. Doing a good cause there. Collingwood are $1.38 favourites, as they should be, against Melbourne with $3 outsiders. The line here is 16.5. The line could be 100 points, and I'm still backing Collingwood because I have sold all my Melbourne stock. I've told everyone that a 1,000 million times. Baz, you're a nervous supporter. I'm actually going on Monday too now. I've got free tickets. Lovely. Monday and uh, nice seats as well. Uh, being looked after really, really well on Monday. So I wasn't going to go, but I've had an offer I can't refuse. There you go. Lovely, lovely so stuff. So we're definitely going to lose. <laughs> so how? So how does Melbourne beat you? You're a very nervous supporter, especially live. I'm worried about Grundy not playing. Yep. And if Grundy does play, I'm still worried because he's not 100%. And they've got... They're, they're, I, I, get, I know they're going to play Bruce. They're going to play Gorn. So they're going to go, you know, two-prong attack against us. Their midfield can worry. Our midfield's been a worry. 
Yeah, we haven't been that. Haven't we're not winning a lot of contested ball. We're not winning stoppages. We're not winning clearances. We're struggling a bit around that, and that's something that Melbourne are very, very good at. Um, and you know they've they've started to find avenues to go the last two weeks. I shouldn't say last two weeks because they got flogged by JBS, but they're starting to get. They obviously got a lot of inside fifties. They average a lot of inside fifties. They just don't convert. Yes, and it's going to change sooner or later, surely. And I think with our our back line with a few injuries. You know, we've still got a decent back line there. We've still got a decent forearm. I'm surprised Josh Thomas has survived the, uh, the axe so far because he's played some poor footy. I hope Brett Braden's style plays. I hope Cox is back. Uh, and I really hope Isaac Quainer gets a game because he's, he's reserve football has been good and he's a dasher. He kicks the ball really, really well and he could probably open up a bit. And we probably need someone with a bit of pace that we kind of lack down there to go with uh, Jaden Hunt. Um, look, I, I'm only... I'm only worried mainly about Grundy and whether he can get up and then d- does Gorn and Bruce have a, a big say in the game when they double team because when, when Grundy's been done and done over it's been against two Ruckman I'm surprised teams don't do it more often against him yeah but I don't think Melbourne would do anything with it if they went out in the middle they stink Melbourne stink let's have a look at the facts they score a goal from 18% of their inside 50s yeah. that's last in the competition Last, They are the worst team inside 50 in the AFL. They lose 38% of their defensive one-on-ones. Last in the AFL. They stink at both ends of the field. I'd say that Collingwood is one of the most versatile and destructive forward lines in the competition at the moment. Yeah, they get you many different ways. And they are terrible at one-on-one contests. You've got a lot of brutes forward there and a lot of sneaky guys as well. So advantage to Collingwood there as well. The Demons have had possession of the footy for just 40% of game time this season, ranked third last. What do Conway love to do? Possess the footy. footy, Not going to touch it. Not going to touch the footy. And Melbourne allow their team, uh, Melbourne allow their opposition to score from 52% of their goal shots, the highest conceded by any side. And Collingwood, most of the time, love to kick straight anyway. It's it all didn't fucking last week. Not last week, but most of the time they love to kick straight. This is all advantage Collingwood. I do not see how Collingwood lose this game to Melbourne because Melbourne stink. So if, if Granny doesn't get up and, and there's obviously word around that Goey is 100%, if those two don't get up, that surely brings... Brings it in, but it brings it in from... Especially with Melbourne now having May and Lever available. Yeah, but you don't you don't have to play well fresh up first time, are they? Yeah, I know, but still... They're not going to come in and dominate. They're good players. They're good players, not going to come in and dominate, though. Oh, well, you know, me, I'm... In your gut of guts, I'm though, not a Jacob Dewson... In your gut of guts. Pessimist, but... You know they're kind of win this game. Oh, look, I'm probably going to chuck money on them to win it at the line, so... Yes, 100%. Um, I'm pretty confident, but yeah. I'm also worried now, because A, I'm going, and B, it's Queen's birthday, and Melbourne are just, just as likely to rock up and pull out their... Uh, one big win to show that they're back. Yeah, yeah. and then, then hear Goodwin talk absolute rubbish again about how, how well they're going. One big rule is do not bet any time on Melbourne. I'm committing to that rule for the rest of the year. Colin with a cover and uh, a couple of other bets I'll play around with come feature time. Double your money and make a stack. To the reason why everyone's still listening, our feature bets for round 12. And Baz is very confident when it comes to his uh, shorter odds bets this week. 
So let us know what you've got penciled in as a sure thing this week. Well, I was two from three last week, so I'm going to keep it the same sort of thing. Basic, straight to the point. Greater West Sydney to cover the line. Collingwood to cover the line. Both at $1.90. Joe West at four and a half points. Collingwood six and a half. And then for a bit of value, Brisbane to win between 20 and 39 points. Now, as you know, I'm a bit of a quirky character, so I've gone a little bit quirky here. I've got the multi of our sure thing, so Conway to cover and GOS to cover. It's paying $3.61. And then for my other two value bets, I've got Conway to win the first quarter by 3.5 and Conway to cover is paying $2.70. And my roughie is Gold Coast to cover the 16.5 line against North and the game to go under 141.5 is paying $3.40 with the wet weather and uh, a bit of my feelings around Stuart G's excellent coaching performance to come I reckon that should get us across the line there and it should be hopefully some uh, healthy profits yet again this weekend well I'm pretty confident because Carlton is playing against a free uh, wheeling sort of team yes. Brisbane and obviously Gold Coast are playing a weaker team mm-hmm. they'll both get the 61 and 75 this week yeah so Carlton is paying $3.10 for that against Brisbane and Gold Coast are paying $3 for that against North Melbourne which are lower odds than usual compared to previous weeks. Yeah. And I also think if, if Gold Coast score between 61 and 75, they win. Yes, probably do. Because North rely on Brown to score that. <laughs> well, they've got, well, obviously, Larky and Zaha have been going all right, though. But yeah, anyway. Yeah. So there we go. All right. So if you have any feature bets you want to pass on to us, any decent tips uh, or any feedback, jump on to all of our networks. So we're at Sporting Chance Magazine on Facebook, and we're at SC underscore Mag underscore Oz on Twitter, and we're also featured in the Footy Live app. And if you are going away for the weekend, enjoy yourselves, be responsible, and we'll see you all back for another mid-season diagnosis of your team if they have to buy next week. Come on!